Welcome to the future of music. My name is Jake Abel, and I started this podcast as a passionate music fan interested in how technological developments like Web3 and AI will disrupt and continue to affect the music industry. Each week, I talk with artists, entrepreneurs, and music professionals about all things music and tech. So whether you're a musician, industry professional, music or tech enthusiast, or just have a curious mind, I'm hoping this podcast can become a resource for you to learn from me and the incredible guests I have on and to prepare yourself for the future of music. This podcast is released in collaboration with Float, an experimental label, media company, and music platform I've been working with that helps artists create music and release it as digital assets. Check out the links in the show notes to find us on social media, see what we're up to, and discover some incredibly talented independent artists. In the spirit of technological development, I have started using an AI model of my voice to create my intros. This episode is a conversation with the artists, partners, world builders, and more. Karma and Violetta, they are both independent musicians who make music together and individually, and they've been a core part of the broader Web3 music scene for a while. Together, they started the Wave World Community, a Web3 music community focused on creating intimate experiences for artists to connect with their most engaged fans. I met Karma and Violetta at Art Basel in Miami last year and they have since become good friends. This podcast was recorded in person at ETH Denver in March. My first podcast recorded in person and it was incredibly fun. We talked about their backgrounds in music and Web3, their experiences with Song Camp and with music collaboration in general, what Wave World is all about, their thoughts on how AI and other emerging technologies will affect music in the future, and so much more. I hope you learned something new from today's episode. Here are Karma and Violetta. All right, live at ETH Denver. Let's go. Let's go. I guess uh, Gialetta will be here in a sec. Yeah. But um, do you guys go to like all the major Web3 conferences? Like what have you been to in the last year or so? Last year we did ETH Denver last year. We did, I want to say South by Southwest. And we did Art Basel and NFT NYC. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was at NFT NYC and Basel. Yeah. Um, have you done, and then which ones did you do Wave Worlds at? Wave World, we did NFT NYC and we did Art Basel. Okay. So word. two of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. catching up with you guys. I, I missed the one in Art Basel. But um, when you go, like, I mean, when you plan Wave Worlds, you're definitely there for that. When you are just like here this weekend, like, what do you, what do you go into a weekend like this hoping to get out of it? Yeah, no, great question. I think for us, if there's a gig, we're usually looking to play a gig. Um, and then also connect with all the people that we've been hanging out with on the Twitter sphere. But there's always just new adventures that pop up. Like even last night we're at this cool kickback. I feel like those are the moments that you're not planning for, but super appreciate after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That, that party was fun. I just like, you know, mutual friends just put me in that group. And then now it's like, it's just good to connect with people in person. Like, even if you're not really getting anything out of it, you're just right. like, building those connections that you already have. Hi. Hey, hey, welcome. But yeah, like, what do you come for these? Conferences? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, similar stuff, sort of. And then, you know, if I can find some event organizers who I can pitch ticketing to for the company I work with, that's cool. Um, and now that I'm working with Float, like, sort of getting the Float name out there a little bit. Although, like, Art Basel, like, they had more of an agenda, and I was sort of just along for the ride. Same thing with South By. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and now finding podcast podcast guests also like I met a bunch of people yesterday that I'm definitely gonna plan some interviews with. So, um, yeah, you know, fostering those connections in person, finding new podcast guests. If I can find people to, you know, pitch some ticketing to, that helps too. Um, 
So yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, no, I definitely will say that in person just solidifies the relationship so much more. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it just, it's not the same if, if you're only digital. A hundred percent. We're talking about, uh, you know, goals and and plans for showing up at like ETH Denver Web three conferences in general. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add there. Wait, did we do intros already? No, we just kind of went in. It. Yeah, we just kind of started talking. Kinda chill you vibe, can do yeah. intro. Let's do some intros. Uh, we are Karma Violetta, uh, singer. I'm a singer. So, so, I'm a singer, songwriter, um, DJ, sound healer, and together we have a music duo, and we're also building Wave World. Do you want to? Yeah, sure. So I'm Karma Wave, musician, world builder, and honestly, just run a series of experiments in Web three. Um, work with some other companies as well outside of just the music space and the spirits and wine space. And yeah, honestly, I feel like this like web three tech and music really brings out a lot of the disciplines that people have had in their lives and allows them to cross pollinate. Um, I know we were speaking about that a little bit yesterday, like doing multiple things within this space. So yeah, no, happy to be here. Yeah. A lot of people I think in this space are just working on, a bunch of different projects at the same time. and Yeah, I definitely am learning a lot uh, going about work that way. Um, so when did you both start making music? I started making music when I was a young kid. Like, I remember my parents were kind of hippies, so they were living in Vancouver. And I remember seeing this, like, white drum set at, like, a kid's toy store. And my grandma was in town, like, I want that drum set, you know? Um, and I went to a lot of shows growing up. Like, my parents would just take me in the backpack. And I think, oh, like when you were like a toddler. And I was a toddler. <laughs> With yeah, the I was big headphones 100%, on. 100%. Yeah. Dude, I love seeing little kids at concerts like that. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. My parents were like those parents that would just take me to all these bands, like in the backpack. And I just loved music, I guess, from a young age. I remember I was seeing this guy named like Jaco Santori, Opastori, who's like this bassist. And my mom's like, you just pointed at him. You're like, I want bass. I want bass. So I guess I was pointing at instruments <laughs> and being like, I want to play this thing. Um, and then I got a drum set. Like when I was a child, I bought me a little drum set. And I guess I was just ever since then, like connected to instruments and, you know, just fell into the Ableton rabbit hole eventually. And then, yeah, met you and we did a, a duo together. Say that again. I met her and we did a music duo together. Um, and I grew up playing in bands as well. So more from like the organic instrument side and then like kind of when it's the electronic. How about you, Violetta? I've been singing my whole life. Um, but then started songwriting about five, six years ago. I had like this spiritual transformation actually <laughs> where I was in a meditation. I was doing a lot of inner work at the time. So I was going to a lot of sound healings, meditation, ceremonies, and like really finding myself. And I had this vision in a meditation that I remembered. It was a flashback when I was a little girl with my mom at school and the teacher, I was overhearing the teacher talking to my mom and she was like, oh, she's not creative. She's more analytical. And, and I heard that and I took that and like held myself small my whole life pretty much because I believed her before I knew who I truly was, you know. So I believed like I'm not creative. So I had this limiting belief, like huge creative block. And until that moment, five, six years ago, when I remembered that 
And I was like, no, I am creative. <laughs> We're all creative. We're all here to create something. And from that moment on, I started really diving into singing, songwriting, like making my own songs, melodies, lyrics just started like flowing through me. And I started my own jewelry brand. Also, I was creating jewelry. It's called Moonbird, funny enough. <laughs> before the Moonbirds before came the moon out. Birds, Way right. before, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I should have copyrighted that. Name. No, but. <laughs> and then Karma and I met like shortly after that, maybe like a year after that, and started dating and then started co creating together. And first, it was like Karma Wave. Violetta you know some some songs were featuring Violetta and then because we were in the studio so much and just making so much music together we're like why don't we start a duo <laughs> right, we're, all, like, we're already basically yeah doing it. like make it official you know <laughs> and we're like okay what do we call ourselves and we didn't we we were trying to figure out our name we we thought Luna for a bit which was funny <laughs> but we were like on on the bills as Luna and no one in Miami knew who we were, but they knew who Carmen, who Violetta were. They were like, who's Luna? Like what? And we're like, OK, we should just put our names together because people then people will come out and see us. And they're like, oh, I know Karma or oh, I know Violetta. So that's how Karma Violetta came about. Uh huh. What? So how long have you guys been in Miami? I've been in Miami a bit longer than her. I've been there around like 15 Years, maybe like 15 uh, 18 years yeah oh, I went wow to yeah there. long time yeah yeah i've i moved there seven years ago and when did you guys meet what year did you guys meet we met i believe 2018 right yeah. she does the counting but. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you start so you were making music together for a couple of years before web3 i guess yeah, yeah. so yeah. how'd you get into web3 i was i would say i was into crypto before we called it web3 but I remember finding out about Bitcoin on some podcast. I think Andreas Andronopoulos, like they call him Bitcoin Jesus. He was just talking about like distributed ledgers. And I'm like, oh, this is like interesting. Like the internet of money, the money, like value exchange on the internet. I remember just like from afar paying attention. It must have been like 2014, 2015. And then I just got more and more interested even throughout the last bull run. I even started working at a startup during that last run-up so i kind of got to see it from the whole operator side and then also like just that whole boom and bust but throughout that i was continuing to make music i even thought like oh like, music could have a place here i remember seeing all like the shitcoin ico like music coins people were trying to sort it out it wasn't quite there yet and then i just got interested in the creator economy overall outside of crypto and i'm like this is amazing but there was like a missing piece of the tech stack. It was all like you run your Patreon. Um, there wasn't that like big convergence with tech yet. And then when NFT started really popping off, I remember just like dabbling in it. And at the beginning, I'm like, this just seems like ICOs again. Um, but then when I started to like understand this is going to be property on the internet, like we're just going to start to value things online more and more. I just started looking at anyone and anyone and anyone and everything that was doing music. Um, there wasn't much yet, right? Like, I remember Blau did his big thing. Um, yeah, that really kicked it off. He sold, yeah. what, his song or his album for, like, $11 million equivalent. Number. Yeah. Yeah, and there was not much independent musicians in that scene yet, but there was, like, a bubbling crew of people. So 
I remember like finding Zora early on. I'm like, oh, cool. People are minting audio here. Um, and then I met the Song Camp crew just like randomly on Twitter. I just found out about Song Camp and started joining the calls. And I'm like, oh, these are like my people. They're all making music. They're all creating and coming up with innovative ways to distribute it. So, yeah, that's how I got into Web3. It's like a bit of a journey, um, but super fun. I got into Web3 because Karma red pilled me. <laughs> I figured you were probably just along for the ride, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was into it for months. And I was like, babe, what are you doing all day? Like in Twitter spaces, like ranting with strangers, <laughs> like degening completely. <laughs> and I didn't get it for a while. And then he's like, okay, come to NFT NYC and you'll understand. That was November 2021. Yeah, that was my introduction to Web3. I was like yeah. starting to get into it and I just realized that that conference was like that weekend and I have a bunch of friends in New York. So I'm like, all right, let's actually see what's going on here. Oh, amazing. Nice. Yeah, so we went and I had to be there in the physical to really experience it, like meet all the people, overhear the conversation. It's the best way to get people into it is to like have face-to-face yeah. conversations because like you can join a Twitter space and do all this research online. But like once you're actually talking to someone about like their project and how they're doing it, you're like, oh, this yeah, is cool. this is and not this you, is legit. you feel the excitement in the air and like you see the vision and the events and everything. So that was when I really got it. And I was like, this is the future. I really believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I just dove in after that. Just now I'm the DJ in all the Twitter. Right, spaces. right, right. She's like, are you in this Twitter space? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> just like all day now but i think also like what you're pointing out at the in-person events being a great gateway yeah the experiences as well right like having these concerts and these immersive experiences i think is definitely going to be the next wave of getting people involved with it because a lot of the sentiment online unless you like already found some crew of people to go in or you're like a curious individual just sometimes turns people off so i feel like yeah i feel like that's going to be a great way of getting people involved it's a lot of what we focus out with the wave world how can we create an experience for you to get onboarded instead of like educating you to get onboarded? Right. It's like sort of backdoor onboarding. You provide this experience and then yeah. in the background, you're like, Web3 powered all this. So, you know, check it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, what made you want to start taking Web3 and Web3 music more seriously? Like what clicked that you were like, all right, this is how I need to start advancing my music career? Yeah, I think that's a great question. For me, it's always been I like to be at the forefront of technology. Like I find it super interesting where things are just emerging. No one fully knows what this is going to become. And for me, I would say the curiosity is the main thing that sparked it at first. And then just the feedback loop of like you meet these people that are also building. You meet people that are not just musicians. I also like that aspect that it converges like all these builders, these devs and yeah, I think for me, it was the reception to the creativity that you could have there. Like it felt very creatively liberating um, where similar to kind of like the blog days or on SoundCloud, like you had this movement of people just minting music or releasing music. There was um, some like social collective vibe did as well. Um, for me, yeah, that that's definitely what it was. And then as I started doing it more, it just started telling me like, yo, you should just double down on this. Um, and now we kind of have like a healthy balance of both, but definitely the web three is leaning into the curiosity and exciting for me. Balance of both meaning what web three and then like traditional, traditional web yeah. two stuff. Cause I think still web three is mostly like missing the discovery and the social aspect of it. 
I think that's like being built, but it's not fully there yet. So even most of Web3 like relies on Twitter, right? Which is like right. a very Web2 thing um, or Discord. And I, and I found this in crypto in general where like Web2 and Web3 is super interlinked, but there's like ideals of Web3 that are beyond just the platform. So for me, like, yeah, I would say still having some sort of distribution or being able to get more ears like on the music has not been solved by web3 which i'm excited to see people try to solve it but it's more about depth right now and how can you connect with people on a deeper level for me i would say it was firstly probably the camaraderie that i felt in the space because song camp was actually one of the first communities that i had joined and we all met irl we met Matthew um, right away and a few of the Song Cam crew at NFT NYC that that trip, and yeah, it was. Then we I started joining the Discord calls every week, and I just felt such a camaraderie between musicians and creators in the space, and that really drew me to it because I feel like in Web two it's kind of more lonely. You know, you're, a lot of times you're creating alone or you have a release, but especially for a new artist, like not a ton of people know about you yet. So it could be like really discouraging to release music in Web 2. But in Web 3, it's been like so supportive. Like I feel like everyone's so supportive and there's such a camaraderie between like the artists and less of a competition, more collaboration. So that really drew me into it. And then also actually similar to what Karma said, the freedom i felt like there's such a freedom that you could just release anything like it doesn't have to be like a specific genre and you have to stick to that genre because we make music from all different genres and even all different genres within house and within electronic music so it felt like okay we could just release any of any of these songs and experiment and you know so i really liked that as well yeah i think it's cool how like in web3 you can really fuck around with how you release music. Like I feel like in the traditional quote unquote music industry, like there's a set way to release and distribute music and put it on DSPs and all that. And then with web three, you can just be way more creative with like how you actually put everything out. Um, which is cool to see like everyone sort of has that opinion of it, which is awesome. Um, so you were, you mentioned genre. Um, I, I, I've, been asking artists like what how they would describe their music and like obviously genre if you're describing your own music i think can be limiting but what did i write down here um how would you describe your music i don't want to box you in with the genre so talk about the musical influences and inspiration that go into your music and how you want it to make people feel yeah i think it's a great question i think that's always like a double-edged sword for musicians, right? Like boxing it into a genre. Um, and for me, I'll speak on my personal project and then on our duo because I think it also gives us a different outlet. On my personal project, it's definitely like a mix of, I would call it like alternative RMB or like electronic focus. Like I'm influenced a lot by like Lido or Brockhampton. Um, and yeah, just a bunch of artists growing up. I also like artists like Haywire that influenced like a lot of like classical or like jazz into their music as well but making like a electronic twist yeah and haywire has a cool sound yeah 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 um and then it's always evolving but i would definitely say like i like a lot of like harmonies that come from jazz like ninth chords and then just electronic sounds that have just 
yeah, like resonated with me over time. A lot of like melodic and harmonic sounds to it. And then on our dance project, I'll let you touch on it as well. It's definitely more dance friendly tracks. Um, so tracks that we could play out um, and then mixing that with like organic instruments, organic vocals and a lot of like singer songwriter infusion as well. Yeah, I would say Rufus Dussol is one of our kind of like inspirations. Um, yeah, and but I don't know, like every song comes out differently. <laughs> like sometimes because I have that that sound healing kind of, you know, because now I facilitate meditations and sound healings as well. So I, I feel because I have that kind of background, sometimes I get inspired by medicine music, I guess you could say. So that's where sometimes we in, infuse like, you know, I'll do chants or like organic instruments and it's more like tribal, like organic house. But then other times, like a song we just recently made, I was like super inspired by 90s house, soulful house. So that's kind of how that came out. Um, yeah, but also I've been actually since getting into Web3, I've been really diving deeper into songwriting, like more and better, better songwriting um, with lyrics and things. Because I feel like originally I started more without singing more without lyrics. And now I'm incorporating like a lot more lyrics and song camp, um, the chaos camp three that we were in was really cool because I feel like I, I was able to to do some of my best songwriting in that camp because I was like challenged with, you know, I was working with other producers and it was like challenging, but really cool. So, yeah, yeah. I want to dive into chaos a little bit because um I mean, I like what Song Camp does a lot, just experimenting with ways to create and release music and distribute it. Um, and Chaos seemed like a super cool project, so I'd love to hear about your experience with that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I'll go for it. Um, Chaos was definitely one of the more interesting experiments I did in Web3. It was a band of 77 people, um, a headless band, we called it. And it comprised of, I think it was 50 devs, I'm sorry, 50 musicians, the rest were devs, operators. Um, we had visual. some economic people, yeah, visual people. And we came together to make 45 songs and release them as one cohesive band. So everyone was in the band and they essentially became these packs where, kind of like a Pokemon pack where you could mint the pack, you could reveal the pack, open it up and have four songs. But it was part of these larger experiments they call camps that are kind of a mix of like a Y Combinator hackathon meets a just normal traditional writing camp. And it was really cool because we were collaborating with people from all over the world. Like there was people from India. There was people in Mexico. There was people just... Australia. Yeah, yeah all everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, one headless band releasing all these songs as one. Yeah, and so there were bands and then there were alchemists. I was in the alchemist group. And the bands would make music and then the alchemists would sometimes take like their samples or things they were inspired by and also make like a new song out of that. And then every two weeks we would switch bands. The alchemists didn't switch though, but the last uh, act, the alchemists kind of had like a free for all where they said any alchemist can work with any alchemist. So that was pretty cool. I was actually able to to contribute to three different songs and a lot of people were like contributing to all you know a bunch of different songs and 
there was one song that um, My World made that frolic, it's called, and that had like 20 or 30 people on the song. It was so cool. I love that song. <laughs> and everyone contributed to like the chorus and some ad libs and yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So what do you think you like gained from that experience? For me, I think I became a better songwriter. Yeah. And a better musician. And and then also handling situations where, you know, obviously it wasn't all like rainbows and butterflies. Like there were moments where you would have disagreements with your bandmates about some part of the song or, you know, the bass or this or that. And so just being able to kind of handle those situations still like amicably, I think was definitely a good like challenge and, and learn like takeaway from that. Um, yeah, and also just like coordinating 77 humans, like it's kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, yeah. Like for the operators, I'm sure, you know, but yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> Yeah, we were musicians, so definitely, like in any collaboration, right, getting that experience collaborating with other people, it was a little different because I've done some online collaborations, but usually with one other musician or like maybe two, but this was every two weeks you were in a band of three and then you got two weeks to finish the song, you got re-scrambled with two other random people and it was on to the next song. So it was also musicians from all different walks of life, so I found that was super fun. I was in a flex role, which means you were like a producer, but you could also like sing on tracks. So it was organized in a way to incentivize like the best music to be created. That was like the individual artist side. And then also just being part of a large project like that, um, really seeing how the whole camp design was being run, um, as well as like the dev work. Um, for me, it was super interesting because usually when you're a musician, like we were saying in Web 2, it's a very traditional path of distribution. This is much more like we're building our own custom website. We're building the custom contracts. Um, there's a lot of lore infused into it as well, which I think was really interesting. The storytelling within chaos. You had a whole crew of people like coming up with like the God of Eris that kind of infuses the songs. And it was a gamified version of a writing camp, right? Like where... You would get re-scrambled. You were like in a house, kind of like in Harry Potter. Like everyone would listen to the tunes from that house at the end of the, the first camp um, cycle. And the economic design was also pretty interesting because you were valuing people's work in middle of the camp. Um, so everyone got to decide like how much work did that person do. Um, so that was also interesting. So I think I gained a lot of experience just how to value creative work, how to work with a really large group of people and how to make music quickly and then we get re-scrambled and pick it back up again. How yeah. did you guys... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that made me think of... Yeah, that was the first time I had actually monetized my music besides playing gigs. So that was really exciting for me. Like, I was like, oh, wow, I'm getting paid to make music right now. Like, this is epic. And we all got a universal basic income just for being in the camp, which was amazing. And then, of course, we all were on the splits when the, the chaos packs were sold. So, I mean, it was really, really cool. And it, I feel like for me, it like shifted something, you know, internally, like, wow, I can make money from my music. You should and, be able to make yeah. money from making music. 
Um, well, that was powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's art. It's valuable art. Yeah. Um, how did you guys coordinate everything with chaos? And like, how do you do that now with collaborators? Like, what do you, how are you communicating with them? How are you collaborating on the song? Like, are you doing video calls? Yeah. So chaos was very much like a large camp design that the operators came up with. So they knew it was going to be 77 people. They knew there was going to be these 50 musicians. Bands of three is usually what's worked for them. And there was these houses, like these four houses and then the alchemist as well within it. And as far as like tools, not physical houses though, right? This no. is just like how it was structured. Yeah, how it was structured. Like think like Gryffindor, like Harry Potter, yeah, like, yeah, that. Yeah. You know, like house A, house B, house C. Um, so you had some camaraderie within your house as well, and you had more point of contact with that house. There was also guides like within it. That was a role of certain people in the camp. They were just kind of like checking in on people. But like, where were you actually communicating? Like, yeah, what yeah, tools were you using? Great to talk question. To people? I think what's interesting is that they let people kind of come up to their own devices. Mostly it was Discord, I would say. Like we had like each house had its own section in Discord, kind of like how you would do in Slack. But some people were like newer to Discord. So in the middle of the camp, we're like, we're just going to do Zoom calls because this works better for us. I know Violetta and her crew was doing a lot of stuff like just on video calls the whole time. In the Discord. In the Discord. Yeah. Like they were just in there. Anyone could hop in, which is pretty cool. It was like building in public. You know, like I would yeah, just... Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. And then on my end, I had a very different experience because... I was working sometimes with people in different time zones. I remember some of us were traveling, so it was a lot more like we'd get on a call, we'd decide like, okay, how do we want to go about this song? And the first band I remember, we're all just like, let's just all come up with ideas and just shoot them in. And like, we gave ourselves a deadline and then whatever starts resonating, let's go in that direction. Um, and we started like basically in one of those directions after a couple days. And it was most like sending songs back to each other. Like I'd send an audio, someone would sing. Um, and then we'd maybe get on one call to make the remainder of the track. But there was people just navigating in all different ways. We definitely used like a mix of Google Drive, like very structured on the file side of things. But as far as like making the music and were you on video chat or not on video chat, it was kind of left open to people's devices. Oh, I just remembered. Wow. We had, so at the end of the two weeks, the period to make the song, each song, we had a, a huge like chaos call with everyone on the call on video Zoom call and we would listen through the songs, like clips of the songs, because it would take too long to listen to the whole song. But I remember they would select like certain songs and sometimes it'd be like from the Alchemist, that they'll listen to the Alchemist all the Alchemist songs. And that was such a highlight because we would all be on this call like listening to the fresh music we all just made from the past two weeks and just so hyped like <laughs> on a zoom call yeah. yeah do you ever think about how vr and ar might change that type of thing oh yeah like i think <laughs> you know eventually you could put on your hopefully not goggles you're just like sunglasses that and then you're sitting in a conference room of all the people do you guys think about that stuff i think that's really cool like how could you take collaboration to the next level because that's something we realized in song camp right like the IRL camps are also really powerful because yeah, when oh, yeah. you're in person, so how can you bring that energy? Yeah, I mean, I feel like especially with creating music, being in the same physical room is huge for yeah. collaborating at least. 100%. So like if you can get to the point where you can, f you're not in the same room, but you can feel like you're in the same room as someone just by putting on some sunglasses and they're fucking in another continent. Like really I feel cool. like that'll totally increase the amount of collaboration and the ease of collaboration and just like, collaborative output in general 
hundred percent. I mean, I could even imagine where you have like those like sub bass things that they already make and you could feel like the waves, you know, how could you make it as much as possible feeling like you're in that same room? And then you could have collaborations that maybe wouldn't happen, right? Like that I think is the most exciting part that it can facilitate connections like that, that literally would not be possible otherwise. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how people play around with that. I feel like What's your take on VR? Because I feel like right now it's kind of like the metaverse VR is kind of like early, like it's in that very janky yeah, stage, I but like, I could see it happening. You know, the metaverse is such a big thing sort of in Web3, and I don't like, do anything with it. Like, I n yeah. I've never really poked around in any of them, and I've played around on Oculus here and there, and it's like the games are cool for sure, but I think I'm just waiting for sort of that experience that we talked about, where you like feel like you're in the room and can talk to people, and like you're on like a conference call, but you're like, in the virtual conference room like that type of shit really excites me you know m although i was talking to uh segnon the other day do you guys know yeah. segnon yeah, yeah. yeah so his company seems really interesting they do like immersive art galleries through oh. through oculus i think or vr but you know you put the headset on and you're in like a virtual art gallery where it's completely immersive um and that sounds really cool too so Stuff like that excites me. Stuff where you're sort of just like walking around the metaverse, like playing games, not as much. But I think as it develops, I want to try to get more into it. And I think the potential for immersive art experiences like that are super interesting. Yeah, it's super cool. We played a couple gigs in the metaverse. Like there's a sub community of Song Camp called Forming, where it's in like Lexicon Devils, right? And it's more like in voxels. So. It's interesting because everyone from Song Camp was there and you get that like vibe of people being on a call, but it's definitely not like it's not immersive yet, right? Yeah, how, does so a, think, how does a metaverse gig work? Basically the way they did this one, and I've seen people do other versions where they have like avatars, they projection map you. Actually, my, our first experience with it was when COVID first hit, they did a burning man in the metaverse where like they fully mapped our bodies and like it was like they made avatars of us and that was interesting. It was still like super janky i think it was 20 like 90 uh, must have been 2020 right 2021. yeah um and the way this one worked was more just like we streamed in so it was kind of like everyone's little avatar watching a stream um so we sent them live each artist they picked maybe four or five artists and each artist sent in a live not like live but a video of their performance and and then they played it on the screen with all our avatars like in the room yeah, watching a, the the video it's a cool all idea, together. But it's just not really there yet. It's not there yet. Definitely not. But I could see how it could get there. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to experiment with it. Um, I still think though. I mean, nothing beats human connection no, in it, person. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, my opinion is that like experiences like that and like VR connections and just the digitization of everything while it is super cool and will create a new avenue for monetization and experiencing music and art. I think it still just drives value back to being in person because as cool as something might be in an immersive experience like that, you're still not actually there. And I think it just makes you appreciate actually being there more. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if you could come up with a hybrid so you can include people that can be there, um, that to me is super interesting as well. It's something we tried to do when we booked Chaos during the Wave World event, where some people were just like, in the UK, they're like, we can't get our visa. So we're like, how can we include you into this show? And they kind of did like this live jam session on this thing called Endless, like before Chaos came in. But I think that's a great point, right? It's just gonna make people understand that the value of physical interaction is huge. And I'm sure there'll be some people that are just like, 
in the metaverse all day and that's just that'll be them <laughs> yeah there definitely will be people that are like that but it's like if that's what they like to do who cares like more there's already people who just play video games all day if you can make it a little more immersive like yeah that's true instagram already is the metaverse you know right people are already, right. The metaverse is already here it's like yeah. people already live online oh yeah that's and true. i think it's about building spaces online that are more of spaces they're not like funneling in like they're most of these so-called metaverses or social media apps have a lot of incentives already to funnel you in a certain direction, right? Where the business model is unaligned, where the attention is usually put in a position where you're forced to be sensational online and like the most sensational content gets virality. So a lot of the art people are making is impacted by these AI algorithms, which I think it's always been a case in society where like our environment has impacted the art, but we never had this like really exponential technology being like, I want to make music with the Spotify algorithm. I want to make just TikToks right. that go viral. Um, and what are the impacts of that? We don't know yet. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, we got about 17 minutes left here. He said it's a hard cutoff. So I want to get into WaveWorld. Uh, when did you start WaveWorld and where did that idea come from? Yeah, for and sure. And maybe what is WaveWorld for people listening that don't know? Yeah, I know. Great question. WaveWorld is a, we call it a meta label um, or a community that basically focuses on bringing artists with their true fans. So how can we connect artists with their true fans? And we run a series of experiments. So we do some of these in-person experiments we call the Wave Rooms, where artists can play an intimate concert, like a tiny desk meets MTV Unplugged, just for their collectors. And then we bring that back online and try to do some... Oh, so wave rooms, that was the token gated stuff on the middle floor of the New York event. Exactly. Okay, that, okay, okay, okay. Exactly. So it's these immersive experiences that are really like catered to the truest fans or the collectors and trying to turn those collectors into true fans. Because a lot of times when you see an artist live, it really solidifies like what they're all about. And we noticed that a lot of these events, people were trying to socialize, people were trying to connect, and sometimes it's not as much about seeing the artist. So yeah, we were talking about that last night. Like everyone was sort of just standing around talking more than they were like there for the DJs that were playing. Exactly. Yeah. Which is totally normal, right? People haven't seen each other; they want to connect. So we're like, how can we create an environment where we have the social aspect outside, and there's also this room just called the wave room that's kind of like when you go to like Disneyland or something. Like doors are opening, they're shutting, right? You're coming in or you're coming out. We also filmed and recorded everything super high quality and then minted that video itself on chain, distributed all the economic splits between the artists, the audio engineers, the visual people. Some artists even experimented with paying collectors. So like if you were in the room, you got paid to be in the room. And even Black Dave, he did like one of the largest on-chain splits where he included all his collectors. So people that weren't able to make the show got paid to be at the show. Um, <laughs> So yeah, like back to like what Wayworld is, it's really like when I say meta label, it's more like a squad of people that focuses on a series of releases and will run experiments together as a squad. Um, and this time around, we're doing something after our Art Basel one, which is a similar wave room experience where we want to play around with really what is the incentive around collecting music. Um, and for us, like we really think a lot of it is connection, but playing a game to see how much of it's speculation, how much of it's connection. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really, Karma started the Discord and started memeing waves into existence like over a little over a year ago. 
dot wave, you know, and like the wave file and the play between like the music wave file and like a wave. And we also surf, so uh -huh. <laughs> there's like that. So play is that how it started? It was just a sort of discord just to like bring people together. And then you started actually creating a project out of it. Yeah, 100%. It was really just a place outside of Twitter to experiment and connect with other like minded people. Um, and I think a lot of like when I say community to me is about building these spaces where you're creating a container for things to happen and you're letting it happen very bottom up. So people in the community will plant seeds, ideas, and then we'll just start rallying around different ideas. So even the idea for the wave room came about from one of our community calls where our, our friend Simone was just like, have you guys seen this Bonnie Vare one-on-one -on -one show? And it was just Bonnie Vare playing one-on-one -on -one to this like girl and she was like mesmerized. And we're like, oh, like there's something to these intimate experiences. How can we leverage the technology to really form these connection-based experiences? And also in music right now in Web3, I feel like there's a lot of collecting, but sometimes true fans aren't being fully formed, right? Um, and how can you create more experiences for there to be true fans and for even the true fans to maybe explore Web3, right? So... Yeah, very much like creating a space for it to just emerge. Yeah, that's cool. I think intimate experiences like that definitely will foster like true, true fan fandom and like people just becoming like obsessed with artists in a way that like, you know, that's, you know, it's sort of the 80-20 rule applies to so many things. It's 80% it's, uh, of the value from music is being created by like the top 20% of the fans. So that's just another way to engage them and and you know, support music financially. 100%. Um, and just to add to that, we, so we minted those, the Wave Room performances on chain, as he mentioned, on Blast. But then shortly after that, we did another experiment on Lens where we were actually the first music NFT drop on Lens via Wave World. And it was Karma Violetta, it was Alec King, and Peter Saputo, who we all played on the rooftop of the Wave World of NFT NYC. Um, so we recorded that audio, and it was the it was like a spinning vinyl artwork, like really cool, with a photo from that Wave Room, uh, from that Wave World um, rooftop performance, and a live audio from the performance. So we called it Wave Moments. So that was really really fun and interesting too. Yeah. Um, what are the so you do the wave rooms. I know you have the newsletter. Yeah. What else is incorporated into wave world as a whole? And, and what are the biggest challenges with running everything? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Like to us, it's become this hybrid of like the wave rooms and the media side of it. Cause there's all like the media after the wave rooms, there's the newsletter. Um, right now we're working on an experiment, like I mentioned from all that media and kind of this like gamified version of collecting. So that's been a big focus of it. Um, I think the challenges are definitely physical events take a lot of energy. So for us, it's thinking about how can we take this wave room and create a structure where we can plug into people. Um, so like maybe it's not, we're always throwing the whole event, like we're coming in with this wave room experience into someone else's gig, right? And for us, it's also how can we take this outside of Web3? Like what would a wave room look like at Coachella or a different event? I think that could be super cool and abstracting a lot of like the Web3 component, making it really easy for people to become a collector and just enter this room and have an amazing experience. Um, yeah, I would say like the live aspect of coordinating, um, being a small squad of people, 
which is like a double-edged sword. It also helps you like move lean and fast. And how many core team members are there? We're around like five, six, right? Depending on yeah, like the project. Six, six or even seven now with AC. Like yeah. Seven of us. Yeah. And, and people just emerge in the sense of like once we create a container for it, like now we have an audio engineer that's just like part of the Wave World squad. We have visual folks that are part of the Wave World squad. Um, but it's, it's fun because we're keeping it more as this like lighthearted, like we focus on experiments and like we're building this one product. So it's a very fun outlet for us because people are coming together from different walks of life that might already have that. Like we have Simone, who's like the co-founder of Liquality, building a wallet. Um, we have musicians. We have Spence, who like works in solar, but he's also the copywriter and Violetta. Rodrigo. Yeah, and, and Violetta <laughs> sure. and him do the newsletter, but... Leo. The newsletter is awesome. I Thank hadn't read you. it before. I read like the most recent one like a week ago before I thought we were going to do the interview last week. And I was like, this is like so well written and insightful. And like it really, I think, just gave a great pulse of what's going on in Web3 music and like different projects and stuff. So I'm going to start reading it more consistently now. But yeah, it was really well done. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, that's me and Frederico's project. And he's an amazing writer. He does most of the writing. And then I'll do like the curation uh, as far as like picking what we feature on news and um, music drops. But we work on it together. Yeah. And shout out to him because he's such a good writer. I always he always makes me laugh. Like, you know, he has like like these little quirks that he he throws in that I just love. It's so great. <laughs> How do you, uh, you know, keep your foot on everything that's going on and decide what to feature in the newsletter? Like there's like I just started reading the the creative AI thing from Water Music season three and there are so many fucking projects out there it's crazy like how yeah. do you how do you stay in touch with everything? Well, I feel like we really have our finger on the pulse because I'm on Twitter a lot and in Twitter spaces a lot so daily so a lot of it will be things we we see that are announced you know from different companies or projects that are announced like that week on Twitter or we'll maybe hear something mentioned in a Twitter space and we're like oh that's cool we should include that um, but mostly we try to focus on the music NFT side of things because there's so much happening everywhere but yeah we really want to be like the go-to for like music NFT news and drops and everything yeah I think also allowing the community to feed information so whether it be tracks that have been coming out um interesting projects they're working on i think that's also really helped like people know we're building this in public so if you have something coming out you know you share it with us and that goes into the funnel of violetta and um fred it really just makes its way into the wave letter so i found that very yeah like just bottom-up approach to people coming in just sharing it with us yeah that's true part of it is People will just come to us and be like, oh, can you share this for in next week's, you know, or I have this drop. Can you include that? So because we're open to, to suggestions and it's it's like an open process. Yeah. 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 That's cool. The community curation is uh, a cool way to go about it. What are your plans for the future of Wave World and, and also the future of Karma Violetta? Yeah, for sure. I think continuing these series of experiments like in the near term it's really this collect to connect game we're thinking about um where we find out the incentive around collecting and ultimately it's going to lead to this one-of-one -one experience that you get to have with an artist so that's definitely going to be a focus we'll probably do another wave room in the future um 
And for the most part, like continuing to do what we've been doing, I think is going to be big for us. I think consistency is really important in in building things and then keeping it fresh and fun. Um, and then you could also talk about it a little bit if you want there. And then on the Karma Violetta side, really just upping the next level of gigs, upping the next level of what we're working on as far as music and how we release it. It would be fun to do some experiments around releasing music there. We've been focusing a lot on lens, uh, the social side of things. Um, and then, yeah, maybe even mixing more of the Web3 music. I think there's so much music being minted now. How can you showcase it and share it more is going to be a big part of it. Yeah, for WaveWorld, I would say um, continuing to platform Web3 artists and like really like showcase them and, you know, spread awareness about them. And, and then for Karma Violetta, more gigs, I would say. I mean, we definitely, we'd love to play Coachella. <laughs> we have like these Coachella is one that we're manifesting slowly. Some bucket list gigs. Yeah, some bucket what list What else gigs. is on the bucket Burning list? Burning Man. <laughs> I've been to Burning Man twice, but I've sang there, but we haven't DJed there. So that would be really cool to have like a Karma Violata set at Burning Man on Mayan Warrior or Robot Heart. <laughs> Throwing it out into the universe so that it <laughs> so that it comes. Um, also, like Fred again, we were we're inspired by Fred again and his music and what he's doing. I saw they just played at Madison Square Garden. I'm like, wow, I've never seen a an electronic artist like that, like DJing at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I had mixed feelings about that so show. Many like, I mean, people. not that I was there, but I was like, it seems like too big of a venue for an elect Huge. for a DJ set. I Although if you so were on the shocked. floor, it was probably fucking insane, and the production was probably unbelievable. So yeah, right. there's I both mean, sides to it, I think. Yeah, I didn't even think that would be possible, you know, because it's usually more kind of like live acts. But that was really inspiring to see, and yeah, and just to inspire and empower and uplift people through our music. I would say that's like one of our core goals as well. Um, how do you guys go about curating for DJ sets? I think it's always a mix of what we've been listening to and what we enjoy to play. Um, so for me, yeah, I really like playing DJ sets where like I want to hear the music we're playing. And then I think there's always a, a duty as well to be like aware of the room and the setting. So it's always like balancing all those yeah. things. Being, mm -hmm. a, being a DJ is definitely more on the curator side of things. Sometimes when it's a Karma Violetta like like live show depending on the booking of it we throw in a lot of our own songs as well because people are coming to see us but yeah that's a fun thing about djing that you really get to like become part of the environment you're like the vibe setter so it's definitely a responsibility yeah i would say it depends on the venue and the the event the organizer and what you know because sometimes we'll have like a more kind of tribal like organic house like tulum style set and then other times it's sometimes we'll even like have a disco set i mean yeah we're we love all all different genres of electronic music so yeah djing is a lot of fun so I, i've been i mean I, I did a lot in college and i've recently been getting back into it and like being that vibe setter and curator and like you know balancing what you want to hear and like you know educating the crowd and then like also just like sort of playing to the crowd it's 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 fun balance oh yeah
Yeah, I think curation in general is something I'm interested in in Web3, but just outside of it as well, right? Like, how can we push the boundaries on that? How can we create more economic incentives to be a curator? Because it's gone so much to the algorithmic side of curation. I feel like, for me personally, like, I always love, like, the human side of things where people were writing blogs or, like, newsletters and how can you find these gems that other people's ears have just stumbled upon. So I think that's, yeah, and DJs are, like, at the forefront of that as yeah, well. Yeah, like, my favorite playlists on Spotify are just, like, the Spotify playlist from the artist. It's, like, some of their own music, but it's also Ooh. just, like, what they're listening to. I feel that. Like, that's a great way to find music, I think. Yes, love that. That's a good point. 100%. Yeah, it's, like, I like when artists also do it based on, like, their latest release or like their latest album, you can really see like the inspiration behind what they've been creating. Cause I think with creativity in general, like everything stems from other pieces of creativity. You're building on the shoulders of giants. So I've just noticed myself, I found a lot of like my favorite artists just digging into artists I was listening to and when, what were they listening to? What do they put on? Yeah, def- I definitely also find a lot of music that way. Um, we're, just about out of time. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about that we didn't get to? Do you have anything? How about creative AI? That's super interesting. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think creative AI is super interesting. I know Water and Music just did the report. Also, Databots, who he, I really I talked with him a lot last night. Yeah. Super interesting guy. Super interesting. Can't wait to have him on the podcast. Yeah, you should definitely have He's him on. Yeah, yeah, I was just listening to a podcast with him and Mark from Song Camp, and he was just diving in. They've worked on some wild things. Like, I know they... Oh, yeah. Do you guys use any of those AI tools for music creation, or have you started experimenting with any of them? I use this, like, VST called, like, Neutron, I believe it is, um, where, like, lets you, like, tap into, like, certain data sets. So, and they're fully, like, just synthesized on there. I remember Water and Music also did their own synthesis, like, sample generation, where you could just be like, I want, like, this type of kick drum and it just generates it so the thing with music compared to art right now is the data sets aren't fully there yet because everyone's all scared of the copyright right yeah so i wonder like because as a musician like i do want to test out like just like how like when it's like midi journey where you could just really pull in wild sources of audio i'm excited did you say midi journey yeah mid journey mid journey it should be midi journey (laughs) (laughs) someone needs to make that we need the midi journey well, also, we're excited to play tonight at the UVR. <laughs> um, shout out to Jaden Violet. Yeah, true. Shout out Jaden. Shout out UVR. I'm Underground Violet Rave. Yeah, so we have like a really cool set planned. Some unreleased tracks we threw in there. So get ready to dance if you're in Denver. All right. I'm ready to <laughs> dance. Let's run it. Okay. All right, guys. Thank, thank you. you. so this much. Fun. For yeah. Thank you for having us. us. First awesome. live podcast I've Let's done. Go. Really, it's exciting. I'm gonna try Let's to start doing go. some live stuff in DC. I've been talking to a podcast studio um, about starting to rent rooms there and do live interviews with people who are in the DMV. It's so much more fun this way. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We should come through. Yeah. yeah. She used to be based I'm, in DC. If you I'm guys from, are ever around DC, let me know. I'm from DC. Yeah. Where in DC are you from? Van Ness. Really? Yeah, but I grew up, well, I went to middle school and high school in Montgomery County, uh-huh. Gaithersburg okay. High School. Yeah, so love DC and DMV area. Yeah, let me know when you guys are around. And if I'm ever in Miami, I know. I'll hit oh, you yeah, guys come up. through, definitely. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again. This was so fun. Yeah.
Wait, wait, wait. Don't go yet. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check the links in the show notes to find and support Karma and Violetta and Wave World. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and followed me on social media at the links in the show notes as well. Also, please don't hesitate to reach out with feedback or comments or questions. I love hearing input from listeners that can help me improve the podcast. And be sure to tune in next week for a conversation with Steph Guerrero, a music professional with major label experience turned Web3 guru and thought leader working on a variety of music-related projects.